0: Okay, so you've done pro bono work for on behalf of detainees at Guantanamo Bay. Have you ever done pro bono work for the victims of terrorism? Senator, I'm not a, aware of any such cases in, um, in my law firm. Do you agree with Justice Ginsburg that there are physical differences between men and women that are enduring? Um, Senator, respectfully, I am not familiar with that particular quote or case, okay. so it's hard for me to okay. comment I'd, as to whether. Or not. All right, I'd love to get your your opinion on on that, and you can submit that. Involved a, a small community, a cultural community um, of people who believe in uh, vegan lifestyles. Um, They call themselves the African Hebrew Israelites, but it's not a religious community. It's a cultural community around um, uh, healthy living. And they have created a restaurant and a series of restaurants here in the Washington, D.C. area um, uh, with menus involving really, um, I'm told, terrific uh, vegan foods, what I regret is that in a hearing about my qualifications to be a justice on the Supreme Court, we've spent a lot of time focusing on this small subset of my sentences, and I've Tried to explain.
1: You regret that we're focusing time. on your cases. I don't understand. No, no, answer.
0: no. I'm, I'm, I'm talking about the fact that you're talking about
2: Child seven v-
0: very serious
2: cases. I'm glad we agree on that, don't you? So there is a new Supreme Court nominee going through her preliminary process right now. Do you have any thoughts on katanji Brown Jackson? Yeah, I have some thoughts. Do you want to hear them? Sure.
1: Still, people like her are domestic terrorists. Damn. I'll tell you why. Um, A number of years, when um, Ruth Bader Bader, uh, Ginsburg died, you know, there's a lot of stuff on Facebook and stuff. Everybody, I'm so sorry she died. And, you know, I waited a day or two. But uh, then when it got political, I stepped in there and I said, Ruth Bader Ginsburg, in my book, is a domestic terrorist. Ooh, still, you wouldn't believe how many of the uh, people who have that little, I got my, my vaccine, we can do this types, which just attacked me. Uh-huh. But still, let me explain to you the way it's supposed to work. We have a constitution still. Uh, we have three branches of government. Um, Alexander Hamilton described the judiciary in Federalist Paper seventy-eight, I believe, in which you know they're trying to sell the Constitution. Um, he said that the judiciary is the least dangerous branch of government. It controls no armies and lacks any spending powers. Okay. Well, if that's true, then it would be somewhat of a weak, unthreatening um, branch of, of government. But still, they have encroached on the legislative authority and effectively, they have control of all those things in many ways. Now, during the debate, um, Brutus, um, another, he was an anti-federalist, and he thought that the power given to the judiciary would extend alleg- would extend legislative uh, authority and increase the jurisdiction of the courts. In other words, he thought that uh, the judiciary could become too powerful. So even way back then, before we didn't have any judicial activism, um, people were concerned about this branch of government. What happens to is over the years, the Supreme Court has become highly politicized. It should never have been as politicized as it is. Well, the reason it's so politicized is the government is so big and the stakes are so high. Uh Therefore, uh, you have to have your person on the Supreme Court to get your agenda across. So it's become a political arm. And still, what the activists, I mean, we conservatives are at a disadvantage because our judicial philosophy, regardless of what the outcome of the case is, is to follow the law. But what is going on, is a very undemocratic process to do, where you basically have a super legislative, a super legislative body. It's worse than the House of Lords. Uh, at least to be a lord, you know, you, um, um, you know, you had to have some restraint. Uh, there's no restraint. You've got nine people, and uh, they're generally old and senile, and with contagi. Uh, She's appointed merely because she's a black black woman, not because she's smart. As we've seen in the Congress in the Senate testimony, she's an idiot, and her record points that she's an idiot. Because of the advances in medical science, the fetus can live outside the womb after about twenty three weeks. Is that your understanding,
0: Senator? I haven't studied this, so I I don't know the the um. A number of weeks in the way that you're okay. saying. Can you provide a definition for the word woman? Can I provide a definition? Mm-hmm. No. Yeah. I can't. You can't? N- not in okay. this context. So I'm you not believe a biologist. The meaning of the word woman is so unclear and controversial that you can't give me a definition?
1: You gave him a three-month sentence. I just wonder if you regret it, if you stand by it. I mean, do you stand by that sentence?
0: Senator, in every case, I followed what Congress authorized me to do in looking to the best of my ability at all of the various factors that apply, that constrain judges, that give us discretion, but also tell us how to sentence. And I ruled in every case based on all of the relevant factors.
1: So you don't regret it?
0: No one case, Senator, can stand in for a... Day. I'm not asking you that. I'm asking you if
1: you regret this sentence in this case. And it sounds like the answer is no. So, Stu, some examples of bad law. Um, Roe v. Wade was probably one of the worst decisions in mankind. What happened is everybody is entitled to a position on abortion. And let me say, abortion is pretty complicated. But what you had, and um, you had liberals on the Supreme Court desperately won, I think, 48 out of the 50 states banned abortion, okay? I think New York and one or two others, you could have an abortion. Um, So they overruled 48 states and they made up law and the law they just i think justice douglas wrote the opinion and he said that oh the supreme court has a i mean this, the constitution has a penumbra of rights what the fuck is a penumbra you know that's just making shit up so you can pull whatever you want to justify uh, your outcome um so 48 state legislatures were were overturned. Well, Stu, if there's enough public interest in something, the legislatures will pass laws. You don't go to the super legislative body against the will of the people and make up law. Now, Stu, I love the law. Um, and I love the law uh, because I recognize we have something really, really unique here in the Anglo-American world. We have the rule of law. And if we stick with with the system we have where we have two legislative bodies, uh, they make law. We have a president who can veto. There are lots of checks and balances between the House, the Senate, and the president. So it's a deliberative, um, it's a very deliberative process. Um, uh, where law is made. Um, And for the Supreme, and the Supreme Court's rule, um, sole rule is to interpret that law. Um, You know, lawyers fight over what exactly the law says and means all the time. So the court's role is to look at the original intent of the Constitution and look at what the intent of the of what the legislature and the uh, legal lawmaking process uh, is making. What does that law mean? Why did they, uh, they put that law into effect? That's the sole role of the court, Stu. And um, uh, somebody like Ruth Bader Ginsburg, she looks for an outcome. And she's smart enough to maybe twist some logic and some facts around uh, and some interpretation around. And then she derives at the outcome she wants. And it's often very twisted logic that makes no sense, but that's why she's a domestic terrorist because what she's doing is she's assuming power over every aspect of her life to herself, just like Vladimir Putin is doing in Russia. That is not the court's role, do. It's often said that hard cases make bad law. Okay. Roe v. Wade was a hard case, but you don't make bad law because you have to live with that bad law forever. And let's look at uh, uh, Oberge, Obergefell, I think, Fell versus Hodges. That was in 2015. That was the gay marriage uh, um, Supreme Court case. For thousands of years, marriage uh, was between a man and a woman. And there's a covenant there, and there are reasons for that. And those reasons have been around for hundreds and hundreds and thousands of years, especially in a Christian nation. What the court said, all of a sudden, it had never been questioned before, but all of a sudden, the 14th Amendment in 2015, just seven years ago said, oh, we've been reading this wrong. Uh, our society has been wrong. Every state legislature in the country has been wrong. Every civil society in the, in the world has been wrong. We deem that uh, men can marry each other. Um, that process should have been done by a legislature and it should have been done state by state. Um, so they assume power like that to
2: themselves. Can we just explain something to some to some people real quick? So if I can, I'm yeah. just a four-country lawyer. So, you know, the point that you make, and I think a lot of people sometimes don't grasp this. So when we see legislation or things, amendments to state constitutions that come up that you know, only recently they're putting in laws to protect gay marriage or to include gay marriage into their state constitution or state law. It's because we have this overarching uh, judicial system that it can ha- and has the potential to kind of ham fist things down all across the entire United States. And so I think people are so used to the government doing stuff for them on a federal level that they can't even grasp the notion that a state has... Th- rights, and the state has the ability to determine these things.
1: The 10th Amendment has been totally ignored by the narcissist on the Supreme Court over the last 100 years. Um, And and this is done for a reason, because, I mean, our founders designed the system to limit uh, the power of tyranny. Um, And when you aggregate power to yourself, that's what you get. Um, And that's what we have now. Our government has grown, what, a thousand times in revenue and everything else and control over our lives. And that's not the way the Constitution says it should be. And basically, you talk about slavery, that's what we're quickly quickly becoming. Look at what the CDC did, making rules for everybody in the country. Uh, yeah. Look at Joe Biden with the, uh, and Trump too, for that matter, these sweeping executive orders that have no demo- democratic foundation at all. Yeah, um, rule
2: by fiat, rule by, uh, was it, ruling from the bench? You know, these are things that pose threats to ordinary people. But I think when people hear this notion of, well, it should, why why we don't want the court to do it, they don't understand that it's because it lacks the proper steps.
1: Yeah. Um, and oftentimes people don't understand. Sometimes the court does the right thing and they, um, of course, they also oftentimes don't want to rule on something and they find a procedural uh, reason not to, but process is part of the law. Not everybody can, has the standing to bring a case. If, if that were true, we, our legal system would be chaos. Um, let's look at how idiotic this woman is. And still, I can remember, you know, I knew about the Dred Scott case when I was, what, eight, the eighth grade or something like that? She was asked the other day about the Dred, Dred Scott case, and she said she couldn't couldn't remember it. How can you not remember it? I mean, an eighth grader remembers it. You know, Dred Scott was a slave. He had come from uh, Louisiana territory. He had gone to Illinois, was in Missouri, and he sued, um, saying that now that I'm in a free state uh, or a place where slavery is um, not supposed to be, uh, then I should be free. And Judge Taney, who was from Maryland, Um, he issued the opinion there. And still, based on the law at the time, it made sense in the sense that, um, you know, everybody says, oh, Dred Scott's a terrible case. Well, the Supreme Court's role was to interpret the law. uh, And in order for... um, Dred Scott to be free, the legislature had to do that. Um, he, um, In that case, um, he said that the Missouri c- Compromise of 1820, part of it was unconstitutional because it deprived people of their property. The Fifth Amendment, Dred Scott, was property, okay? We don't like that, but that's why we have the 13th Amendment. Um so, but anyway, it's a landmark case, and you know, one can argue both sides of it. But she didn't even know anything about it. I mean, it's just. Um, and then you know, i am saying an eighth grader should know about it. I mean, God, in law school, I can remember. You know, first day of law school, we talk about Pearson v. Post. It's a property case. It's uh, uh, it's about a fox who runs across somebody's land and who owns the fox. And you know, there's certain landmark cases that every educated citizens should know about, but somebody who's up in front of the Supreme Court, and then she started to babble on about Dred Scott and the 14th Amendment. Dred Scott was decided in 1857 and the 14th Amendment wasn't passed until after the Civil War. I mean, and still, I gotta say it, this is what happens when you pick people based on racial and gender quotas. Should always try to get the best person for the job. Um, so, Stu, um, I consider her a domestic terrorist because she's doing what I consider to be just a uh, deplorable. In that she's aggravating, she's aggregating power onto five, you know, four or five folks on the Supreme Court to make decisions for you and me and everybody else that, that she doesn't have the right to do. Um, she doesn't respect the constitutional balance of powers. And still, it's not just her. This has been going on for a long time. But if the government was smaller, um, we could have honest people on the Supreme Court. And it shouldn't be a Republican or a Democrat type thing. It should be honest folks who love the law and can issue opinions solely looking at the law and where the law leads them and not the outcome.
2: Yeah. And then just to kind of add some things to that, uh, did you follow the Georgetown law professor who said who essentially is being protested and he got in trouble because, and this is his quote, Because Biden said he'd only consider black women for SCOTUS, his nominee will always have an asterisk attached, fitting that the court takes up affirmative action next term. Objectively, best pick for Biden is Sri Srinivasan, who is solid prog and very smart, even has identity politics benefit of being first Asian, Indian, American, but alas, doesn't fit into latest intersectionality hierarchy, so we'll get and then this is, I guess, the big thing that did a in. So we'll get lesser black woman. Thank heaven for small favors. So
1: this is a Georgetown law professor said all this. Yeah. Hmm. We're a meritocracy. Still. And um, it's really, really dangerous to do these. I mean, you're kind of looking at maybe what the ancient regime of France was like before the revolution, where... <laughs> people were given stuff just because of their birth or their last name. And they were part of the uh, the landed aristocracy. Um, so yeah, and guess what happened during the French Revolution stuff?
2: Yeah, but it is interesting because we do have uh, Harvard, UNC and University of Texas. There are three separate cases that are being filed all about affirmative action itself. You know, the one out of Harvard is the one that I think is the most interesting where you have, you know, the Asian students who have to essentially have perfect test results to get in because essentially they have become an overrepresented uh, group on campus. And it's it's just kind of deeply sad. I mean, in its own way. But um, just very interesting stuff. And then I guess my criticism of uh, I guess she's called KBJ now, is that she had pinned this concerning um, pro-life groups protesting, and she felt that there needed to be buffer zones and that these buffer zones would essentially uh, protect um, women getting abortions and that you couldn't have pro-life advocates protesting in that area. Um, you know, in theory, the buffer zone should be the property of the clinic and that if someone stepped on the yeah. property they would be they could get taken away by a police officer but, but she's, uh,
1: she's looking at an outcome and she has decided that outcome should have preference and special privileges yeah she probably doesn't even see it um, i
2: mean i, I free find the speech I, free speech i mean i find the idea of a buffer zone to be repulsive you know, I, did I have any buffer zone uh, any time last year when there were all kinds of uh, mass protest movements uh, in and around me? <laughs> no. you, mean,
1: you mean destructive riots by uh, left-wing Marxist thugs?
2: But yeah, I mean, it's just the notion of a buffer zone, I think, is just repulsive. Well,
1: where does it stop? It's a slippery slope. Well, it's 20 feet. Oh, it's a mile. Oh, it's uh, you can't do it anymore.
2: Or Washington D.C. is a buffer zone now, so you, know, you can't even protest outside the White House. Or that's uh, pretty
1: much what they've done. Um,
2: yeah. yeah. So um, I find that just deeply troubling, and I think for anyone to not see that, I, I find uh, somewhat scary in its own way. And then another interesting note, and this kind of goes back into the same things that uh, we saw her being criticized by various GOP. Uh, politicians uh, so far this week was that, you know, she doesn't really adhere to the standard. So in one case, uh, Brett Kavanaugh actually reversed one of her decisions, granting summary judgment to a libel plaintiff, finding that Judge Jackson had misapplied the actual malice standard. So this notion of applying her own um, standards and definitions, I think, is also deeply
1: an outcome and she ignored the law.
2: Yeah. But apparently she's pretty good on FOIA requests. So that's interesting. But is it because the FOIA I mean, requests it, are going it to, that be has to
1: do with who's issuing the FOIA request?
2: Yeah, I, I imagine. All so. about the,
1: the outcome so, with these folks. Yeah. They're totalitarians. But,
2: but yeah. So those are kind of my thoughts from what I've seen on her so far. You have any closing comments on this? Well, you know, Stu, I'm the learned hand of the modern age. And if
1: anybody wants to know more about how the legal process works or should work, they can give me a holler. All right, on. That's a good plug. All right, Stu, go get on. All right, see ya. See ya. I'm,
2: Ooh, I'm real. Never meant to make your daughter cry. Apologize. I I'm sorry, Miss Jackson. Ooh, I am for real. Never meant to make your daughter cry. I apologize.